0: Guys don't
1: call
0: them. unless they have to. Like it's broken, really Or if somebody that's money Or they want to talk about something in particular. When it's them when it's about them. they don't call to to it change, which is fine. Yeah, no problem. So it's just a cold Oh, she's going somewhere. the Oh, yeah. yeah, no yeah. a
1: drug addict.
0: Yeah. Um, Good evening, Tucson Mountain Baptist Church. (laughs) Let's bow for a brief prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you for this wonderful evening. Thank you, Lord, for each person that has arrived, and uh, we pray that uh, additional ones will be arriving Lord we offer you this time to uh, to worship and to learn more of you in Jesus name amen onward Christian soldiers onward Christian soldiers marching as to war with Of Jesus going on before Christ, the royal master leads against the foe. Forward into battle, see his banner go. Onward, Christian soldiers marching as to the cross of Jesus going on before. At the sign of triumph, Satan's host doth flee. On then Christian soldiers, on to victory. Hell's foundations quiver at a shout of praise Brothers lift your voices loud your anthems raise Onward Christian soldiers marching as to war With the cross of Jesus going on before Like a church of God. Brothers, we are treading where the saints have trod. We are not divided, all one body we. One in hope and doctrine, one in charity. Onward, Christian soul marching as to war with the cross of Jesus going on before. Onward then ye people join our happy throng, Blend with ours your voices in the triumph song. Glory, laud, and honor Unto Christ a King This through countless ages Men and angels sing Onward, Christian soldiers Marching as to war With the cross of Jesus Going on
1: Or do we need to turn the heat up a little bit? Man, All right. So tonight I want to talk to you guys and continue on in this, the principles of building the church and making sure the church is moving in the right direction. So we're looking at the biblical foundation of the five functions of the church. Where do we get those? We get those from what we talked about a little bit last week. We get them from the Great Commandment and the Great Commission. So as we look at these, you're going to see some of these, and we're going to put them in proper context, okay? So let's think about this. The Great Commandment, it's on your page there, Matthew 22:37 37 through 40, and I have the NIV. It says, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God. Then the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Then the great commission says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to do everything I have commanded you. Now are some key words there, and as we continue on and we look at this, the first two principles or functions or purposes, whatever you'd like to call them, whatever moniker you want to hang them on, comes from the great commandment, the first two. And the very first thing, love God with all your heart, that is worship, that's worship. The Bible says anytime you express love towards God, particularly when you're doing it with all your heart. That's worship. The second thing is love your neighbor as yourself. That's ministry. You're loving someone else. You're showing them. Anytime you're expressing love to someone else, even if you give a cup of cold water in their name, in Jesus' name, to them, that's ministry. Okay? And the third thing is go. Go and make disciples. That's evangelism. That's evangelism, pure and simple. We go out and we reach people for Jesus. It doesn't just happen inside the walls of a building. He says, go. It's a directive. And then the fourth thing is baptize them. We baptize them, that's fellowship. Now, I want you to think about this. Fellowship is a symbol of the principle, function, purpose of the church. What does that mean? It means that you have become one in the family of God. It's symbolic of your place in God's family. So that's why we talk about that. They're incorporated when someone gets baptized, and God be willing, we're going to have a baptized, uh, baptism this Sunday. Larry, you didn't know that, but you do now. Um, but God be willing, um, that brings them into the fellowship and the body of Christ so that they have that symbolic connection. Does it really really do anything as far as salvation? No, but it identifies them as another believer. So it helps them draw them into that family. It's not only about the new life of salvation, but it's about that symbolic fellowship that it brings together. Then the last thing there is teach them to do. Teach them. That's discipleship. Discipleship is much more than just knowing. A true disciple has to put those that knowledge into practice. You can't just do that. John 14, 15 says, if you love me, you will obey my commands. And we need to remember that one. I think a lot of church members need to remember that one. So I want I want to make a statement. I want you guys to tell me if you think I'm right or not. I believe as a church we're doing much of these five particular functions or purposes or principles of the church. Do you agree or disagree? Okay. I think we can do better at some, but I think we are working diligently to do all five of them. So that's important that we do do that. Jesus, he ministered those and modeled those five functions in John 17:1 20, through 26. In verse 4 he says I have brought you glory on earth. That's worship. In verse 6 he said I revealed you to those whom you gave me out of the world. That's evangelism. In verse 8 he says I gave them words you gave me. That's discipleship. He was teaching them. And in verse 12 he says while I was with them I protected them and kept them safe. That's fellowship. And then in verse 18, he said, You sent me into the world, and I have sent them into the world. He demonstrated ministry to them, and they were doing the ministry. The first church fulfilled all those five functions. In Acts 2.41-47, it says this, Those who accepted his message were baptized. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, again, discipleship, and to the fellowship to the breaking of the bread and to prayer. All the believers were together. They gave to anyone as he had need. Again, ministry. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God. Again, worship. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. Evangelism was taking place again. And then Paul explained those Five functions, again, in Ephesians four eleven through 16. God gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, and some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for the works of ministry so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. So it means that we all have to collectively do our work, but independently do work too. So as we look at this, I want you to think about, you know, how would you summarize in general why the church exists? I want you guys to share some... Answers with me? To glorify God. To glorify God. Okay. Yeah. Warren? To spread the gospel locally. The gospel locally. Okay. Anybody else? To encourage each other. To encourage each other. Anything else? I'm sorry, say it again. <laughs> to minister to the needs of others. Mary? Um, to, um, <laughs> thought just left me. <laughs> um, no, maybe I'll think of it now. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> That's okay. <laughs> it <won't be> <laughs> say it again, Larry. Bring with- <laughs> to bring as many people as we can into the kingdom as possible. Right, Mary? Okay. To hold each other accountable and to encourage each other, to strengthen each other? Yeah. All those things. And and it's it's a is that an easy task in today's society? No. No. Why is it so difficult? Why do you think it's so difficult? There are many distractions. Okay, a lot of distractions. Too much going on. Too much going on. Anything else you can think of? people aren 't interested one of the things that, that that I think we just celebrated Independence Day, right? Think about that word independence. You know I think I've told you guys before when when I was at the school, we had this one little guy, and he was just he was a pistol. he was like in the kindergarten or first grade, and every time we would have a confrontation with him it'd be you 're not the boss of me. <laughs> You know, and he'd give that little smirk, and he'd, he'd come along, and and I'd say, yes, that may be true, but while you're here on this campus, I am the boss of you. At home, I'm not. Mom and dad are. But when you're here, I am. Well, my mom and dad aren't the boss of me either. I said, nah, there's the problem. Now we're getting down to the nuts and bolts of it, see? So he was he was very, you know, he was very honest and open with his emotions and his feelings. But that whole... Mindset was he was very independent, and he wanted that independence. Nobody was going to tell him what to do. And I think we have that issue today with a lot of different people. It's not just, it's not just unsaved. It's saved people. They don't want to be held accountable. They don't want anyone telling him what to do or telling him how to act or react or respond or not respond, that independence comes into play. So that's just my take on it. Uh, Some of the things that we need to remember. We celebrate God's presence, some of that next villain. We celebrate God's presence, and that's called worship. When we celebrate his presence. We are to exalt our master. Psalms 34.3 says, Magnify the name, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. And in Psalm 122, 1 from the Good News Bible says, I was glad when they said to me, let's go to the Lord's house. And the second thing is we have to communicate God's word, communicate God's word. That's what evangelism is really all about. We evangelize, and the whole world is our mission field. Acts twenty twenty four from the New Century Version says, The most important thing is that I complete my mission, the work the Lord Jesus gave me to do, to tell people the good news about God's grace. You know, if it wasn't for God's grace, none of us would be sitting here tonight. And I can just about assure you if it wasn't for God's grace, I wouldn't be live right now. It's one of those things where, you know, hindsight is twenty-twenty. We can go back and we can look at some things in our life and we understand it's only by the grace of God that some of us are here. So you, you, we have to keep that in mind. Um, Acts 1-8 in the NIV says, you will be my witnesses. That's a mandate. That's a commandment. That's not optional. But most most believers, most Christians view that as optional. And I think that's why we're, we're, we're losing ground. I didn't say we're losing the battle, but I think that's why we're losing ground. Mary. I think when I speak you will be my witness and I am the witness no matter what you're doing So to me, you will be
0: my witness
1: whatever you do, you will be my Yeah. And we can either be a positive witness or a negative witness. You're absolutely right. Sometimes the way we, I think we should remember, we're called to act, not to react. And, and sometimes it's difficult to do that with some of the people we have to contend with. I, I had a very challenging situation at the end of last week. And it was, it was very frustrating to me. But I had to maintain my joy, number one, my connection with God, (laughs) and not say or do something that was going to muddy his reputation. But it was very difficult for, for a little while there. Number three, we need to incorporate God's family. That's fellowship. We need to encourage our other members, members of the body, Ephesians 2.19 from the Living Bible says, You are members of God's very own family, and you belong in God's household with every other Christian. You're going too fast, for some Sorry. That, 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 that membership, being part of that family, is very, very important. So we incorporate God's family. We incorporate God's family into the fellowship. We need to encourage the other members. And Ephesians 2.19 says, you are members of God's very own family. You belong in God's household with every other Christian. Have you ever, and and I know you guys have, it's sort of a rhetorical question, but it, do you have Christian friends that you know that you just can't? Get them into a fellowship with other believers. You know they know Jesus, but they want to be Lone Ranger Christians. Or Lone Rangerettes. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> they're just, they're, they're, they want to be standoffish. And, and, and that's hard because they're not part of anybody, any fellowship or body of believers. So they miss out on a lot. And we may be missing out on a lot that they're not able to give back to us. Go ahead, Mary. I I read an article just a while back, and the percentage was like in the high 20, 20 percentage, 27%, 29%, whatever it might have been, that a lot of church members that were very faithful in their attendance prior to COVID have not returned back to church because, like you say, it's much more comfortable sit at home in your pajamas or loungewear, have your coffee, you know, Eat your muffin or donut for breakfast and watch it online. You know? Yeah, that's not going to happen anytime soon. Yeah. Number four is we need to educate God's people. Educate God's people. That's the discipleship. And we need to educate those individuals for maturity. The ultimate goal is so that we're mature and complete when it comes time to go home and be with Jesus. So that's very, very important. Ephesians four twelve and 13 says, Building up the church, the body of Christ, to a position of strength and maturity until we all become full grown in the Lord. It's an ongoing process. I don't know about you guys, but I don't feel like I ever should stop learning. Especially when it comes to God's word and what he wants me to do in my life. And sometimes, does he, change, does he change things on us and give us different things to do? Yeah. A lot of times. But it's to build us up. It's to encourage us. It's to challenge us. And to keep us moving in the direction he wants us moving. Is it always the direction we want to move? Not necessarily, but it's the direction he wants us to move. And number five is we need to demonstrate God's love. Demonstrate God's love. That's ministry. And we need to equip one another for ministry. We need to equip one another for ministry. Ephesians 4.12 again says to equip God's people for the work of ministry. Every single one of those words begin with an M, of course. You know, you have, you, if you think about it, and if you go and you look up in Psalms 34, they, they use the word magnify. And in Acts 1.20, they use the word mission. And in Ephesians 2.19, they use the word member. And then in Ephesians 4.12, they use maturity. And then again in Ephesians 4.12 and another version, they use the word ministry. Uh, If we do those things and we continue doing those things and we start to look at how to do those things a little bit more efficiently and a little bit more effectively, like we talked about last week, because we talked about the why and the what, this time we're talking about the how, the church will grow and it'll grow naturally. See, it's like I said last week, we we can try to force growth, but that doesn't mean it's actually going to happen. It's got to come more naturally. It's not enough that we simply define these functions and we understand these functions. It's, it's important that we clarify these functions and purposes and principles to the rest of the body. Now you guys are here tonight because you are more involved in the core process. Those listening online or watching online may be more involved in the core process. So as we talk about these things, I want you to understand that there's, 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 some, there's some variations of individuals and what those individuals are committed to. And we're going to talk about commitment here in a minute. Okay. There's five ways to communicate the vision, the function, the purpose, the principles of the church. The very first one, and you have a solid line on yours, and just right across that solid line, I'm going to give you just five particular things. One of them is slogans. Slogans. Paul, you're going to have change of color on some of those. I can see what you've got going, and that's hard for me to read. <coughs> um, it's difficult to read on that black screen. I don't know what they're looking at behind me, but on that screen, it's hard to see that red. Same thing. It looks good there. It's difficult to read up there. Um, just, just keep that in mind for the singers, because you guys have to figure that out. <laughs> slogans. There's power in slogans. I want you to think about this. Um, just like songs. Now, songs is not one of them yet, but slogans are things that people can remember, right? Can you can you give me some slogans that people remember? Where's the beef? Where's the beef? <laughs> Jesus <laughs> is alive. Jesus is alive. W W J D. What would Jesus do, right? Do he, is risen. he is risen. Seven days without Jesus makes one week. Seven days without Jesus makes one week slogans slogans catch people's attention so that's one way we can do it the shorter the the shorter the statement and a slogan the easier it is to remember okay so I, i'm i'm just throwing some things out there for you guys to mull over as we as we look into developing these things cuz this is going to be an ongoing process all right I love you guys, and I know that that you love me, some of you anyway. But people don't remember sermons. I'm not sure I even remember what I preached three or three weeks ago. But they'll remember a slogan. It's important we remember that. In the Bible, think about this. In the Bible, there was a lot of slogans. Mogus' purpose statement or function or principle was let my people go. Remember? Nehemiah's was rebuild the wall. David's was unite the kingdom. Solomon's was let's build the temple. So each one of those slogans was rememberable. The second thing is symbols. S-Y-M-B-O-L-S, symbols. Not C, like Our buddy plays on the drums up here. We just celebrated Independence Day. The flag is a symbol of independence and freedom for us. It's a powerful symbol. The cross for Christians, for us, is a powerful symbol. So that's the second way. Symbols can, can communicate and show tremendous power. The third thing is the scriptures. Scriptures. Every principle, every program, everything we do should have a scriptural basis. If it doesn't have a scriptural basis, I don't think we should be doing it. Because it's not what we're here to do. We share the vision through the scriptures. To help show that vision further, okay. But if it's got a if it's got a scriptural basis, then then it's okay to do. And I think we need to try to do it as much as possible. The fourth thing is stories. We need to share stories. One of the things I've been trying to encourage some of the ministries to do, and and I've only been able to get one or two to cooperate so far, is Stories illustrate the purpose of the church and how the church is fulfilling what the church is called to do. Those five functions and principles that we just talked about. Telling stories about people who are worshiping. Telling stories about people who minister. Telling stories about people who go on mission trips. Telling stories. Stories help people think about how to get involved. And the last one is specifics. Specifics. And what I mean by that is the specifics of evangelism, the specifics of ministry, the specifics of magnification or worship to God, the specifics of leading others to Jesus. So I put on there... A, a, a function and purpose-driven type slogan is this, a great commitment to, a great, to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church. A great commitment to the great commandment and the great commission will grow a great church. That's a slogan. Short, concise, to the point. Okay, But a statement is a little bit different. It's a little longer. Now, we have a statement similar to this on the back of our bulletin. If you look at the back of the bulletin, it's on there. It's not quite like this, but it's close. To bring people to Jesus and membership in his family. Develop them to Christ-like maturity and equip them for their ministry in the church and their life mission in the world in order to magnify God's name. Again, we hit all four of those M words That we saw there, but that's that membership, that maturity, that that ministry mission and magnification. You can use you can use any word we choose. But those four or five rather bring us to the point of completing those five purposes and functions of the church. So I put a little saying on there, bring them in, build them up, teach them how, send them out. Bring them in, build them up, teach them how, and send them out. That should be our cycle. Bring them in, build them up, teach them how, send them out. It should be an ongoing process. There's there's a glitch in the cog of the wheels somewhere. Now, you guys, I hope, will help me figure that out, where it's at. I'm not quite sure. So how do we apply all these things? How do we put them into practice? We have to apply those five functions to every area of church life, not just some areas. Because we talked about it last week. The key to this is balance and health, church health. I told you guys last week, I'm, I'm much more concerned with church health right now than I am church growth. Because no matter how we look at it, how we think about it, we're still in a transitional state. We did lose Pastor Jay. We lost David Sams. Mary left just a few minutes ago. But you know what? We have to keep moving forward. But we're still in transition. So the more balanced we are, the more healthier we're going to be. And balance the balance that we need doesn't come by accident. It comes by the systems and structures that we talked about last week. Remember I said that that our body had particular systems, and when one of those systems got out of whack, it made the rest of the body sick. It's the same way with the church. So we have to identify what those systems are that need more help than others that need some of that so let me give you a scenario here let's talk about churches in general for a minute and you guys help me most churches tend to focus well on only one or two of these particular functions if a pastor has the gift of the area of evangelism what's going to happen You're going to bring a lot of people in, right? But if they don't have the discipleship, they're going to be coming in the front door and going out the back door just about as quick. And if you don't have ministry to put them to doing something, they're going to be going out that back door again. That's why it's important that all five of these functions are are working together. So let's say you have a pastor that has the gift in the area of worship and they develop, uh, they develop what, what we'll call an Experiencing God church. It's a really awesome worship service. It's a great time of, of getting to know and celebrating the presence of Jesus. But maybe there's no evangelism or real teaching going on again, discipleship. What's going to happen? lack of depth, there's going to be a lot of surface knowledge but not a lot of deep knowledge. So they're not going to mature. They're not going to grow. What happens if you have a pastor that has a lot of pastoral care? They're very tender-hearted. They're very compassionate. They love taking care of the people. The people love to help and take care of the pastor. What happens there? It becomes a very closed group. There can, be, there can be a lot of family reunion time, a lot of, you know, we love one another time, but it's hard for an outsider to break in. Yeah. Yeah. It's too close. There's no evangelism. There's no ministry. There's no discipleship. It's just no outreach is closed off. Yeah, Warren. Why why did you guys do that, Warren? What was the purpose behind that? Well, it was to keep them from rotating through the church. Okay. But you weren't you weren't leaving them as an orphan. Right. Absolutely. They felt like a member. You handed them off to someone else even if you couldn't stay with them because you were in a different class or whatever. But but see, those are some of the things that we should implement that would make it easier for those new folks coming in to get involved in those other ministries, to get involved in Sunday school, to get involved in small groups. See, that's why I say all five of these things have to be working together. What happens if you have a pastor that has a gift of teaching? Everybody comes in, they have their notebook, they do all the teaching, they sit down, they take their notes. The next week, they go back into the classroom, but there's nobody coming to Christ. There's there's no outside ministry taking place. There's no outreach. There's no evangelism. What happens there? There's a lot of building up internally. There's a lot of depth, but there's nothing topical, and there's no people coming in. So It's important you understand that. You have to have all these functions working appropriately. There's one last one that we have to talk about. This is a pastor that has the gift of ministry. His heart cares about the people. He may build a very, very socially conscious church. He wants to change the world. But he's trying to do it through the community. But that's his primary purpose. What happens there? They lose, their focus. they lose their focus. There's, there's, there's no evangelism. There's no teaching. There's no ministry taking place, other than what the social consciousness of the body might be. Let's say, let's say we pick up the gauntlet against abortion. All of a sudden. And I believe that's a dangerous thing that's happening in some of our churches. They're getting on the social conscious wagon, if you would, and they're only focusing on that. And they're not focusing on ministering, really ministering and loving your neighbor, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, worshiping, they're not worrying about or concentrating or working these five things. Only these five functions will using this with the strategy and structure is going to maintain a healthy balance. Okay? I'm giving you guys some of my goals and visions because you guys are part of this core I'm talking about. So you have an area there that says groups. People who attend occasionally are considered the community. The community. Well, What do I mean by that? The community is the group that we want to reach out to and draw in. They would be the target group for evangelism. Okay? Now, part of the community may be part of the crowd, which is the average attendance each week at worship. The crowd is that average attendance of each week, worship. Now, The crowd worships. Some of that community is going to come in with the crowd. So part of our job is to evangelize those community folks that come in to be a part of the crowd. And they may be part-time attenders. They may be regular attenders. And they may be members. The crowd makes up a bigger majority of the folks. Okay? And then you have... The complete members, those committed to membership, that's the congregation. That's the ones that have committed themselves to being a member of the church. They've been baptized, they've joined in the fellowship. They may not be doing anything, okay? But they're part of the congregation. And then you have the committed to maturity. They attend a small group. They attend Bible studies. They have personal quiet time. They take those things to the next step. That's the committed. Now, the core is what I said you guys were. You're committed to the ministry. You're committed to serving. You're committed to being part of the ongoing process. Then we have the commissioned. Those that are willing to go out and witness and testify. Some of you were in both of these groups, the core and the commission. At the very center of the church is the commissioned and the core. The commission is typically the smallest group, but they're the most active group. Because they have caught the spirit. They have caught the realization of what needs to take place, not only in their life, but in the life of the church. And then that next group would be the core. They're the next smallest group, I guess you would say. They do a lot of the ministry of the church. They're the deacons, they're the elders, they're the trustees, they're the ushers, they're the Sunday school teachers, you know, but but they do a lot of stuff. They're the tech team, they're the singers, they're the people working behind the scenes. All those type of things. They're what makes the church work they do the ministry inside the church the commission you might say would do the ministry outside the church so you have all these all these moving parts to this so what do you guys think do you think it's possible to operate and utilize these five functions? Do you? What would it look like? What would it really look like? You know, we, we need to think about typically the that those commissioned and that core group are the most committed. The next group you're looking at are called the committed, but they're committed to their own spiritual growth, their own spiritual strengths. They love the Lord. They're committed to spiritual growth on a personal level, but they're not yet serving in ministry. They might want to. They just may not know how. And the next group is the larger group. That's the congregation they're committed to the fellowship of the church they like the fellowship they need the fellowship they enjoy the fellowship but they're they're not committed spiritually to maturity okay and that's a tough thing to say because you want to think everyone in the congregation is but a lot of folks aren't i mean we've, we've got to be realistic about this the next group is those that sometimes show up on Sunday morning. They're those CEOs. Christians on Easter only. Right? There's some of those. At some point, yeah, in our development. Because you have to grow here to grow here. You gotta grow there to grow there. You gotta be committed to grow here. It's a process, it's stages. Every single person that comes in is gonna start on that outside group as far as just being part of the crowd. And then they're gonna move into the congregation. And then they're going to move through those stages, if you would, to become more committed. But that means that we have some work to do along the way. Like I said, I'm planting seeds with this before I drop the bomb on you guys in a few weeks. Okay. Right. Exactly. So there's some priorities to the purpose. Priorities up to the function that we're looking at. Priority number one is God's purposes. We need to remember God's purposes. God's purpose and plans take priority. We may have our plan and our purpose and our thought and our functions that we want to take care of, but it's God's plan and purpose that is most important. And he's given us those in the Great Commission and the Great Commandment. Priority number two is the people. We have to remember that the people are what fulfill his plan and purpose. Somebody said it earlier. We want, to, we want as many people as we can to go to heaven. Not just to be with us, but to be with Jesus. The third thing is programs, but I want to say something about programs here. That third priority programs, those programs can be good, but there are some programs are not meant to last forever. The old analogy, if it ain't broke, don't fix it, doesn't always work with some of our programs. Could we not reach a stagnant point? If we- yes. Yes, that's what I'm talking about, because it looks like it's not broke, but it's, but it's not fulfilling any real plan or purpose or function to follow the scriptural basis of what we're trying to do. That's, that's the, that can be the problem. Programs are just tools to help us fulfill the plans and purposes of God. Don't remember. Anyway, the bronze serpent served a great purpose. God told Moses to do it, Mm -hmm. but after a while, that thing had to go. Yeah, that that purpose was completed. And see that that's something we have to be mindful of. Now, most of us sitting here tonight are older. who's going to take this church when we're gone if we don't make preparation to prepare some of those younger people to do that? Yeah, see, silence. Priority number four is property. We can't ever allow our buildings to be an excuse for a lack of growth. Pastor Jay and I talked about this If we had to do four, five, six, seven, eight services on a weekend, we would do it. The building should not dictate the size of what we're doing. Now, I want you to understand, the flip side of that coin was we can't build things and think we're going to fill it after the fact. We have to build the people up first. We build the people up, then we can build new buildings. That's my opinion. And that's why Dr. J and I were committed to the fact that we we would run multiple services if we needed to to make sure that those and different times of opportunity for different age groups. That was one of the things that we talked about. So we have to be careful to not let the shoe, there's an old analogy, not let the shoe tell the foot how big it can grow. All right? Property is simply a a place to conduct the programs and to help the people fulfill God's plan and purpose in their life. And the last one, of course, is prayer. And we always need to make sure that we pray. And we're going to do that right now as we close out this session, and then we're going to have some prayer requests and some praise time. Father, we just... uh, uplift these things to you tonight. We hope that they're beneficial in our mindset as we prepare our thoughts and our hearts to, to take on some of these challenges. And Father, we we pray that your plan would be done. Your plan is, is, is not new to us. It's, it's been with us since the beginning of time. Each generation has to recommit to those plans. And Lord, I pray that as we look at these functions within the church, and what you want us to do, and your plans, and your purpose in our lives, that we would recommit our lives to those things, and we would serve you in a way that brings honor and glory to you, and we simply ask all these things in Jesus' name, amen. Prayer request tonight.